live in the makeshift studio. It is episode 312. Shout out. Chicago. Uh, Derek Rose. Oh, yeah. Shout out to the Cubs. What was it, like 2017 when they lost the Rockies and extra innings in the wild card? <laughs> shout, out <to> the, <laughs> shout out to the Cubs. Um, appreciate you guys being here. Uh, as we took our winter and New Year's break, and we are back, and we want to talk a little bit today on uh, kind of the development in the first stages of basketball, and uh, kind of we have second and third grade three-on-three leagues starting tonight, going for six weeks, so kind of some thought processes there, but uh, first of all, introductions, let's start with BG, how we doing? I am doing well. Good. Kyle, Christmas break, everything good? Yep, doing great. Um, looking forward to the Niners beating the Vikings on Saturday. Preview for what that pick will be later Early in the episode. <laughs> and back from sickness, we've retired Robot Sky. We're back with Live Sky. How we doing? Good. <laughs> <laughs> Still Robot Sky. <laughs> Still Robot Sky. Um, yeah, lots of cool stuff that we're going to touch on today, and uh, we'll get our kind of picks, the big uh, LSU-Clemson game. We'll do that later, and best thing that we saw, and maybe talk a little NBA or high school hoops, kind of how the discussion goes. But let's jump right into it. Um, we have second and third grade three-on-three happening tonight, and let's just start with a little bit of what that looks like. Uh, BG, if you want to kind of take the lead on that, what that's kind of looked like over the next <clears throat> six weeks. Well, since we've done a lot of K-2 and second through third skill workouts, and usually that's the time that we would be starting another, or usually this is the time that we would be starting a new one, we kind of came up with the idea that instead of working on, we're still going to do a little bit of skill work at the start, but we want to kind of teach them how to play early in a three-on-three setting. When we've talked a lot about the pros of playing small-sided games like that, but I think especially at an early age, you should start with three-on-three, so we're going to lower the hoops, we're going to kind of take week one to see what we have in the gym just so we don't like stack a team, then we're going to put them in teams, and we're going to do some skill work and play three-on-three for the next six weeks, I believe, and I am looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. We have a really fun-looking roster, so it's going to be something different, something that we haven't done before, so a new challenge. Kyle Sky, things you're looking forward to as far as working that in the teaching piece? Well, I think BG nailed it. I think it'll be fun just to watch these kids kind of teach them how to do a few simple concepts in the three-on-three and then kind of let them go and watch them see if they can kind of apply it to that three-on-three setting. Mm-hmm. I think the most beneficial thing will be to see them at week one and then to see them at week six and see the progression that they've made and then kind of um, the stuff that we work on, the things that went well things that didn't go well um, moving forward. And that's kind of, like you said, the first week, kind of a feeling out process to who we have in the three-on-three league and then kind of formulating a plan from there and not just working skill stuff so they're understanding how to get, play the game of basketball. So you can work on any skill stuff. Um, it'd be great at that, but if you can't um, bring it into a game situation and actually use it, what is the point? Yeah. I think the one thing that's cool about this, and you guys jump in, um, it's structured but unstructured at the same time. Like... Once you guys teach the concepts into the skill work and stuff, you're kind of just uh, managing the play of the game as far as maybe officiating a little bit, but also mm-hmm. talking and teaching while the live play is going on. But there's not, it's not being, there's not a coach on the sideline and there's not uh, set plays and things like that. You guys want to elaborate a little bit on that idea? or? Well, <clears throat> kind of just like our older three-on-three groups, we'll have one concept and they won't be as advanced, obviously, with this group because you don't want to overload them. But... I am very much looking forward just to see when we roll the balls out and play who's picking stuff up. Like, probably first one will be passing and moving, and 
the importance of spreading out and spacing the floor. Um, but seeing who picks that up and who doesn't will be interesting. All right, and um, just looking at the roster, we know a lot of the kids that are signed up. So at the young, young of an age, we don't really get to a lot of one-on-ones in our workout. So it'll be fun to just watch them compete. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I mean, as far as like defensive things that you guys will be, t- I mean, I know it's going to be a lot more offensive skill and offensive concepts and stuff like that, but how much defense are you going to be doing? Or is it going to be on the fly, teach some things, stop some things, show? I think it's important to be working looking at both sides of the ball, really, and just understanding where the ball is at, if I'm on the ball, and then just starting to introduce, you know, if you're one pass away or ultimately you are guarding the basketball. That's mm-hmm. got to be the biggest thing preach. Yes, you are on a man, but ultimately you guys have to see basketball, see your man, and then just, you know, it's going to be a process. And like we like Coach BG said, there'll be some that will be able to pick up that stuff quickly. And others will have to kind of reiterate over and over. And hopefully by week six, they're starting to see improvements and kind of start to figure it out for themselves. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit then about at this age, third grade and below, or even all the way down into kindergarten. Let's start with um, your guys' thoughts on at, at a younger age, um, what is the most important skill sets that you are learning first? For me, and I think it'll be pretty consistent across the board, especially with Sky, um, it's got to start with ball handling, then passing and catching, because that's kind of like the base layer. Shooting will come with strength, and the finishing wouldn't be there without the ability to dribble the basketball. So just kind of being able to figure out how to, number one, dribble without picking it up in between, which the most part won't be a problem with most of the kids that we have and then being able to pass and catch because that's something that I probably don't hit on enough with my younger groups because you'll have some kids that just open their hands wide and try and hope they catch it and they're going to get drilled in the face every single time a pass comes to them so we kind of stay away from that individual workouts I mean in group workouts at that age but that's something that you're going to have to be able to do in a three-on-three setting when you're playing live basketball. So we'll see a lot more of that. So I think it starts with those three things and then kind of like build into finishing around the rim. I, with lower hoops, jump shooting will be more of a thing, but not as important at this age than just learning the correct form. But I'm not, I don't expect to see a lot of rise-up jump shots off the dribble. Yeah, a lot, a lot of it has to do with strength anyway, so they're not developing, you know, jump shots. So definitely dribbling, getting a ball in their hands. And if we're not just talking skills, I think at that age, just getting them to love the game, want to be in the gym, want to just have a ball in their hands and have fun. I think that's just part of our job too, coaching that, that level. How do you make it fun? It's a great question. Games. Games to get them better at basketball that want to, you know what I mean? Because I, I think that's, I agree with you 100%, Scott, and I think, you know, part of the concept with this three-on-three is you guys talked about in one of our meetings as we started planning this was starting to teach concepts, but also trying to keep it unstructured and keep it fun and just let them figure it out and play because there's, there's, in my opinion, there's almost too much structure and there's too much tournaments going on. And you look around and we take our very select teams too and there's a third grade bracket and I'm just going, Why? You know, I mean, at that age, what are they doing? And um, I don't know how young white ball goes or anything like that, but, like, making it fun and teaching it and letting it be a little unstructured, let them figure it out a little bit. Yeah, I agree with that. And um, try to, like, get into what we got to celebrate, all the little things we do well. So, like, even if it's just making a good pass or making a good cut, and it's not going to always show up on the scoreboard, but, like, 
being them to understand and kind of celebrating the small victories with them. Because when they hear that and see us as trainers celebrating with them, just a small thing, making a cut or getting a rebound or whatever it may be, they're going to want to they're gonna love the game more. So just really celebrating the smallest of victories with them is important. And then just the competitive piece of it. Because at this age, a lot of them have never competed. They don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. right? They don't know what it's like to play against someone else. For the most part, it's probably been you know in the backyard. Or maybe if you have siblings, you know what competing is. But getting them to understand how to compete and then – um, the pros and cons, you know, when you win or when you lose, it's not just a loss. Like, how do we learn from this? And little things like that, if they can carry on with them and just keep them hungry with for the game of basketball. Yeah, I think from a skill set thing, too, when I think about younger ages, you know, anywhere from kindergarten all the way through third grade, uh, ball handling big time and obviously passing and catching, but as simple as knowing how to start and stop your body, like footwork and jump stops and pivots and some of those things um, to try to build that base up right away from a young age Um, because we I mean we know we see kids that are youth basketball fifth or eighth grade we see high schoolers I mean see college players that they're always trying to become more skilled their handle needs to get better their shot needs to get better they got to finish with the left hand better whatever it may be um but the footwork thing i think at a younger age if they can start learning that how to stop and how to play on balance and and know some of those concepts i think the rest of the skill development becomes easier for them absolutely for sure um anything to add skill stuff because I think the shooting thing, and I'll get into it here because I have my constitution of youth basketball and what it should be, but um, I think lowering the hoops is big. Yep. I think lowering the hoops is big, um, and playing three-on-three three is big because you have more space on the floor. And, you know, we always talk – I talk to my eighth graders, like, you got to play above the three-point line. you got to space the floor. Well, three-on-three three third graders, they're not going to be able to shoot outside of 15 feet with an eight-foot hoop or something like that. That's perfect. Like, that's a three-pointer then. That's realistic, you know, as you extrapolate that out. I think of, like, the um, – Little League World Series and they're pitching from like 48 feet, you know, and they're throwing 70 miles an hour and they do that equation of like it's 95 at the major league, like yeah. the same thing, like shooting a 15-footer on an 8-foot hoop, that's the same thing as shooting a 3-pointer maybe on a 10-foot hoop, but because of the strength thing, because of some form, you're able to try to alleviate the shooting from the hip and doing those things, so I, th- I think it's really good to have the lower baskets. Absolutely. Um, that'd be a great idea to just tape out a short of a 3-point line. Get little Harry Nichols launch it. <laughs> you shoot the regular three. <laughs> if you put it out there, they'll shoot it. Yeah. And they'll find the three point line. Like that might be a bad thing. We went we went down to Sioux City and there's some NBA lines and we had sixth graders shooting NBA threes and it was going, Eek. There's a line out there, they're gonna find it, <laughs> uh-huh. man. Yeah. I tell you what. Um Okay, concept wise, and let's me jump into concept wise. Um first basic concepts. Um I know you mentioned spacing BG, but um and you mentioned kind of passing and cutting but concepts that you're thinking about trying to implement you guys are trying to think about implementing here and this but then also just kindergarten through third grade what are some basic concepts that um, basketball IQ wise you want them to try to learn and understand well the biggest thing I see and I remember back to when I played YMCA ball when I was a little kid someone picks the ball up you got the whole team just running to them to go get the basketball yeah so that's what I kind of just want to get out of their system early so with that being able to get open being able to pass and catch but like understanding if I'm just running to the basketball now the whole floor is congested so it'll be a little ambitious to work that spacing but I think spacing will be consistently the main thing we're preaching and then like you said defensively since we won't be getting to like 
as and when to curl on a down screen or yeah. the flare on a down screen. We will be able to spend a lot more time using our skill work part of the start to go for defensive concepts. Whereas, I mean, meaning like balls on the opposite wing, I shouldn't be hugging my player in the corner, like getting off to the basketball. So I think those are the two ones I want to be able to hit on probably consistently every other week, like an offensive concept, defensive concept, going back and forth just so they have spacing and being off two-thirds, one-third, however you want to teach it. And if you limit the concepts and keep it simple, it allows them to then, again, play, have fun, and figure it out on their own. If it's just pass and cut, then I can use my drive and I can use my jump stops and I can use my finishes and make a pass to a back door or something like that. Thoughts, Sky, Kyle? I agree with that. I mean, just the spacing piece is very important. If we can, the earlier we can teach that to the youth, the better the game of basketball will be overall. And hopefully by the time, you know, if someone penetrates at me or, you know, I don't stand in one spot or where do I move yeah. when the ball is coming at me? Moving without the ball. Right. And then understanding that, like, when you see it still in fifth grade with my group, you know, someone picks the ball up, they want to run right to the ball. Or someone's penetrated at them, they bring their defender right to them. And just understanding that, no, you need to space the floor. If we do that, we have a driving lane, and if they help, we kick. And I know that's a little complex for second and third graders, but hopefully, like, you know, by week five, and like I said, some of them will really get it. And then just kind of really the three little things, whether it's spacing, be able to cut, just really um, focusing on them and not adding too much. And like Bake said, a lot of them kind of want to make mistakes, and it can't be, you know, stop them after every play. They got to eventually figure it out on their own. And the more we put and let them kind of figure it out, the more they'll grow. Because they don't need the structure. They don't need sets. They don't need that kind of stuff at this age. And we kind of see that. I mean, we've done three-on-three for, what, two years now? Mm -hmm. Um, And the first week is always passing and cutting. And the first week when we play games, that'll look good. But when we get to week four, when we're just, like, doing ball screen reads and that stuff, the passing and cutting kind of goes out the window. So I feel like if we are coming back to those same concepts – It'll kind of keep building and building and building, and it'll become kind of second nature for them, hopefully. Yeah. So. Yeah. It popped into my head, but I have my answer. Why Why do kids at that age run to the ball? Pick it up and you're dead. Why do you run to the ball? They want it. They just want the ball, <laughs> yeah. 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 See ball, get ball. I don't know. Here's my thought. Because we don't practice enough, this is my opinion. Do the kid who picks up the ball and do the other kids on the team know if they're in that situation? They know they're not good enough to pass it. Yeah. I have another answer, too. Okay. When they pick it up, they turn their back to everything can't see going everything. on. Yep. Because yeah. they'll pick it up and turn away from the defender, and now they... So you can't see where to pass to, and you can't... You you physically may be not good enough to pass the ball. And, and that's what comes down to footwork. And, you know, when you do come to a jump stop, being able to pivot... You know, and make a pass. Right. Because, like, yeah, as soon as they pick it up, they turn their body. They pretty much put both hands on the ball, and then that's where you get their jump balls, and then that's where they have to kind of run to the basketball. Right. We should do that three-person drill. They pass and have to pivot. It would be good. (laughs) It would be good, but we had eighth grade. Slight (laughs) kids couldn't pick that up very fast, so that would be a... Simpler version, maybe? That would be a leap. Yeah. Try it. (laughs) <laughs> I I, th- I think that's a big thing. I think because we don't practice passing enough, and I, as I've said before on this podcast, like I think that's one of the most underrated skills, and we don't do it enough. And you know, coaching the higher levels, like I did for some years, I didn't do it enough. We didn't talk about passing and how to pass and practice it. And 
angles and how to meet the ball and how to catch the ball. And it seems so simple. I think we take it for granted, and it's hard to do it in a big group setting like we talk mm-hmm. about in camps. And you go somewhere on the road, and how much do you spend on passing? And you just need to get a ball in their hands and do the ball handling and the finishing and, and the stuff that's going to help them be a better offensive player. But from a team concept, we're talking concepts like passing the ball is huge. And you, know, you talk about spacing and all those things. Like the, the less we work on passing, the harder that stuff's going to be to trust yourself to do it because you physically can't do it. Mm-hmm. And then, like, thinking when we do work on our passing with groups of this age, it's always just a straight chest pass or a straight bounce pass. When I'm being pressured by a defender, Can't throw I'm that. not going to be able to throw those passes. And even if I do, if, even if I do, I'm smart enough, I'm strong enough with the basketball to pivot to the side and throw it from the middle of my chest or middle of my stomach, whatever it may be, defender's going to get a hand on it. So in games, and it kind of can't comes over time, but now that there's more and more skill development stuff available, it should be almost drilled into their step balance passes and step flick passes with both right and left hand. That's about how 90% of your passes in the half court are going to be. Right. And once you get older, if you can't step and throw a left-handed pass, not like one-handed, but pushing with your left, like you're not going to be able to pass to one side of the floor. So those are skill, like micro skills that we could do a better job of hitting on with these younger kids. Get them started with that early. I think another thing just to add on, just quick decision making too. You know, like not catching and holding for five seconds. And we talk about that always with our select kids of, you know, either if you catch and hold, that lets the defense set up. So when you're catching and holding, you're tapping right away, or what are we doing off of a catch rather than just catching and holding that basketball? You know, I don't know, you out be able to probably get into split foot stuff, but you know, like just making quick decisions and how that puts pressure on the defense, especially in a three on three setting because the floor is so open and so big. How do you practice it? Or how do you guys, is that, is that something that is, uh, that's figured out when you play and just, I want you to make mistakes and I want you to do that? Or do you, a la blind pig three on three or one on ones or even one on two to start? seeing help and reading that and how to space the floor is that something you try to build in at this age in your guys opinion or is that something you kind of if we can master the 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 spacing and the passing and the beating your defender kind of stuff is that something that then you build on as you get into fourth fifth sixth grade and you start understanding the reads and the concepts of the helpline and then by seventh and eighth grade and as you're approaching high school then it's the next level concepts of of you know reading the third level of defense and how to attack on a second pass, extra pass. What are your guys' thoughts on that progression? I don't think we'll get them started with that yeah. stuff. <laughs> that's <laughs> good. That I mean, that's fine. That's it, what I wanted to hear. I think it'll be for the most part because we're not going to have a lot of time for the skill and concept stuff to start off with. So it'll, for the most part, be just like one-on-one. But if you can just drill into their heads that, hey, if I catch it, every single time I get it, I'm going to try and go get a layup until the defense makes me do something different. I think more often than not, good things will happen being able to play in straight lines and I don't think we'll get like Kyle said I don't think we'll get to split foots but if I can like catch the ball put it on my hip and rip and try and get by someone every single time I touch the basketball right I think you're going to get a lot out of the six weeks that you're in here and you're going to build confidence because you're going to see success in doing that so and then hey I rip and now I'm getting by my man I think it'll kind of come to second nature it's not something that we'll work on quite yet but that's something I've been getting a lot too because we do a lot of blind pick one-on-one I've been working in a blind pick one-on-two and then into two-on-two with I was doing it with fifth grade OI yesterday I'll be doing it with I've been doing it with my guys for the last two weeks so being able to make those reads is kind of what I've been shifting to with my As older, they get older. Groups, yeah yeah
Cool. Anything else to add as far as skilled skills or concepts from a third grade and under kind of thing? Beginning bat, I mean, basically beginning basketball, and you start really loving it and getting into it. I would love for them to all pick up the basics of a hammer play too, in case they do make the NBA. <laughs> Step up ball screens and, and the importance how to ice it, corner ice threes, and icing ball screens and how yeah. to throw that pocket pass and make value your points per possession on separate types of shots and why we don't want to shoot post ups. You're gonna provide analytics for three on three. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be statting out every shot and we'll have. It's, a it's important. I mean, it's really important to keep stats in like second and third grade. Absolutely. If you're not keeping stats, are you even really trying? I know, that's the truth. <laughs> um, good stuff. Here's what I want to do. Um, I had this conversation. It was kind of funny. I had this conversation with one of my eighth grade uh, girl's grandparents. And we were at the tournament this last weekend. We were talking. And I said, well, if you allowed me to write the Constitution for United States basketball, okay, I would have some certain uh, commandments, I guess you could say. I guess that's more religious. Basketball is a religion, I mean. There you go. <laughs> so here's what it is. I got it here, and I want you guys to jump in and agree, disagree, or add value here. Uh, hoop height. Third grade and under, you put in an eight-foot hoop. Fourth and fifth grade, you put in a nine-foot hoop. Sixth grade and up, you put in a ten-foot hoop. You're shaking your head no. I, well, I think, I think fifth graders can play a ten-foot hoop. Does that help their development long-term, though? Because I remember being in fourth. Here, here's my argument with it. Drive down any street with someone in a, with, a, with a hoop in their backyard or their driveway, and you have a fifth grader. Great. How often do you have the hoop at 10 feet? I would be absolutely flabbergasted if more than 5% of the people said all the time. Because you're going to have those diehards that are like, oh, he's fifth grade. He's got to shoot it at 10 feet. Man, I was in eighth grade at nine feet, like learning how to dunk and finish and all that kind of stuff. Like for fifth graders, to me, if you want to keep developing your shot with correct shot mechanics, you need a lower hoop. You need to shoot from 17 feet, 15 feet. So go. I don't disagree with that statement at all. But do you not play tournaments then? If you're a fifth grader, what do you do? This is my constitution for United everyone, States basketball. Everyone. So this means that everyone in the United States. So would you have to would play change it, you're saying. 100%. If tournaments. you have a facility, okay. you're going to have to have hoops that go down. And you're going to have to have strictly a fifth grade quarter, strictly yeah. a fourth grade. No, I'm fine quarter. with that. I was just thinking that it's not that way now. So It's not that tough. way now. And I think it's hard. I go watch fifth grade and it's just an absolute everyone running at the ball and this and space. And you got a couple that can really shoot it at a young age. And like, dang, that, look, that kid can really shoot it. But. Um, Overall, could, could everyone shoot it better and could scoring be better and could defenses be better if everyone was more of a threat offensively and you could develop as generalities um, if everything was at nine feet at fifth and fourth grade and third grade and below eight foot? I agree with the third grade and below. Once you hit fourth, fifth, or if you're going to keep it down, keep it for fourth, fifth grade, 10 foot, all gas, no brakes. Come on, stop playing with me. See, and I think once you get to <laughs> middle school basketball, once you get sixth grade and above, then you can be at 10 feet. And um, I say this having done, for the last three years working youth basketball, having done camps and having coached fifth grade girls versus just a year later the same girls as sixth graders, uh, there, there's a difference in shooting the ball. There's a difference in shooting the ball, and there's only a handful that can do it. There's only a, a few... Uh, Lincoln Anderson's who can absolutely shoot the heck so out of it from if three. If you are Lincoln Anderson, what do you tell him to do then? Do you have him shoot nine foot still? Yeah. As a fifth grader? Yeah, but why can't nine foot then 
at that age, if he can shoot threes on a 10-foot, he should be, should be able to shoot 20, 21-footers on a 9-foot hook. I don't think it changes the game much at all. It's just one. It would actually it would actually increase your ability to finish offensive rebounds. I mean, think about how many fifth graders get it and just throw it up. They don't yeah. know how to pivot and score. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now you have a foot lower offensive well, rebounds. Think about that. Finishes, fast break Next finishes. Next level Baker. I mean, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I think overall you're 100% right. I just There are some 100% fifth right. graders. You're 90% right. <laughs> Ten percent of fifth graders that are good enough to be able playing with sixth graders on ten foot. You know what I'm saying? Great. Then why don't we let those kids play? Then move up. That's how. Like, so we have fourth graders that play fifth grade level. If you're good enough, then you should move up. And what about? What do you think about the ball size? Third, fourth should be twenty-seven point five. I I think. I think think third grade and under should be. 27 yeah. and a half. Mm-hmm. I think once you get to fourth grade through eighth grade, 28 and a half, I think that's okay. Lost me. Yeah. Why? I okay, disagree. let's go. I think middle school, middle, middle school, ball. you should start using a men's ball. On the men's side. Yep. Okay. I, I, I guess I, I guess I, I guess I see positive negatives in both. I don't disagree. I think that switch in eighth grade is just so unnecessary. Like, if you're going to have to use it in high school, you may as well start getting used to it. It's but it, like does it, doesn't it go back to how you shoot the ball in your development? If your hand's not big enough to sit or sit yeah. or on a men's ball, why are we going to make them shoot a men's ball? Hey, I, I, can walk, I can walk up and down our gym, and unless your name's JT Rock, no one's got big enough hands to shoot a men's ball. I disagree with that statement. That is a leap of logic. Um... You're telling me I, shooting, hey. you're telling me your shooting percentage for your sixth grader Sky when you guys played up in seventh and you had to use a men's ball. You're telling me your shooting percentage was the same because we haven't practiced with them. So yeah, you're right. But that's even if you practice with them, do you think it would be good? Proportion. I mean, I saw your team shoot twenty eight fives last night against my girls, and I don't know how it happened, but boy, oh boy, straight shots at Sky's squad. That's just bad coaching. Not getting his players in the right position, but that's nothing new for Sky. All right. <laughs> How'd your team do against my team? I forgot. Sky ran a 2-3 zone. No, <laughs> they didn't run a 2-3 zone. <laughs> On a mini court. Mini court beat you by 25. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so you guys think on on the boys' side, but see, my big thing is get sixth grade. If we have kindergartners in workouts using a 28.5, why can a sixth grader not shoot a 29.5? I don't think that kindergarten should be on 25. I know, but I'm saying that's what it is right now. So how and I'm saying I would that? rewrite the Constitution. Let me You're rewrite it. Trying to tell me Logan Mebius can't shoot a men's ball from three. He probably can. He's, he's the 10 percent that can. Again, he's the 10 percent that could have shot I am, last year. I, I think my head is like messed up on fifth graders because I worked out a certain fifth grade team yesterday that was good, really good. They're the 10 percent, and they have a fourth grader who can shoot the lights out. But so I mean, <laughs> you go around other. I coached a fifth grade tournament for Coach Aldenberg's team, and I saw a group of girls that great effort, but their skill development and their ability to shoot the ball, they couldn't do it. I mean, they couldn't do it. They couldn't even handle the ball. I mean, think about ball handling. Like, you don't have enough control over the ball if your hand's not big enough to handle the ball. We're teaching half crosses to sixth graders, and they're the men's ball. Good luck. I just think for consistency purposes, just so you're not playing with men's balls in some tournament and girls' balls in other tournaments. But again, this would be, I'm rewriting the Constitution, everyone would have to be the same. So North Dakota and and Nebraska using men's balls at 7th or 8th grade or whatever it is, it would all be the same. It would all be the same across the board, all over the United States. If you don't do it, you have to be certified. If you don't do it, you're not certified by Coach Baker's Constitution, you can't do it. You can't can't play play for me. Can't play for me. Okay, the next thing. So I have hoop size and we have ball size. The next thing. Uh, game play, how many people on the floor? Uh, fourth and under, three on three. 
So third graders. Full court? So third. No. So third grade and under is three on three and eight on an eight foot hoop. Fourth grade would be three on three on a nine foot hoop. Then when you get to fifth grade, you're five on five. And so fifth grade, so it's a building, it's a progression, right? You go from, as a third grader, you're playing three on three and eight foot hoop. As a fourth grader, you're playing three on three on a nine foot hoop. Fifth grader, you're playing five on five on a nine foot hoop. And then you get to middle school, you're sixth grade, you're five on five, 10 foot hoop. I really like that because five on five and fourth grade basketball. Good luck. It's a nightmare. And if, and if we're talking <laughs> about, for you. and if we're talking about what we talked about earlier, as far as the concepts you guys want to get in three on three on second and third grade, and it's going to be about spacing and passing. And I mean, why wouldn't we let them master that? Uh-huh. Why wouldn't we let them master that? And and I think you're stuff? seeing that more and more in Europe, and that's why they're having a better crash. Luka is coming over and killing people. Yep. And then I think like playing half court takes away the element of if you're the fastest kid on the floor, you get a rebound or a steal, you get a layup. Time. And then what are you learning from that? It takes away. We can full court press at a certain age, yep. and then just yep. the team that's more athletic is going to win fifty to zero. Teaching them. How to play the game of basketball? Correct. Because the ones that are fastest in fourth grade will not be the fastest when they get to eighth grade. Correct. Just the way it is. Because um, like our, our games come down to who is the fastest players on the court and who mm-hmm. can handle it the best. Yep. And if it was more of a not in fifth grade, I think it should be full court. But like fourth graders, I would like the half court setting. And the, um, then you're building from you know whatever age you want to start kindergarten, first, second, third, whatever it is, up through fourth grade, three-on-three gives you more opportunities to have the ball in your hands, make decisions Mm -hmm. as you keep getting better and you learn how defenses rotate. If you can learn how the three-on-three defenses rotate and make reads, you're going to get more shot opportunities. You're going to get more ball ball time in your hands. You're going to get more opportunities to create plays. And that will translate to five-on-five much more than playing five and five in third grade. And also you're not going to see that fourth grade team running a three-quarter court, one, two, two, and one, three, one at half court. Like we're yep. <laughs> just doing nothing. Correct. So that'd be my gameplay. And then last rule I would write here, or maybe two rules, two, two more rules. So I have five total. I got a hoop size, ball size, um, gameplay. The next one would be no zone basketball, no zone defense until you reach sixth grade, until you reach middle school. 100%. And again, my idea behind that, we've talked about it before, but I th- I think you can, BG's raising his hands, I think you can uh, translate your man-to-man concepts and translate your man-to-man offensive reads and understand spacing and passing uh, to either a zone defense or a zone offense by the time you get to sixth grade if you've learned all those concepts growing up. Um, if you can't pass the ball and you don't understand spacing, good luck playing against the zone. BG. I think <coughs> it should move to seventh grade. Okay. Because if they're just starting five on five as fifth graders, I think they should get two years of just straight man. Fair. Because, again, kind of catering to the lower tiers of sixth grade basketball, yeah. but... It comes down to strength and being able to make certain passes. Because not just sitting in a 2-3 zone, that opens up to a 1-2-1-1 full-court press, which devastating at the middle school level. Um, That opens you up to a certain 2-3 half-court trap Mm -hmm. where you're just not strong enough to make the passes needed to beat said zone. So I would say push that back to seventh, especially if they're starting 5-on-5 in the fifth grade. Thoughts? 
Agreed. Yeah. It's just not strong enough to make the passes you need. I just 100% agree. It's and not it's, strong enough to make the passes. Not strong enough to shoot the ball outside consistently. It's yeah. not teaching good defensive concepts if you are in that zone. Probably you're just running around, not really playing basketball. It's just bad. And then offensively, can't get anything done. Can't learn much. Like 100% agree. My only thing, like, say you are running a zone, that's what you practice in practice as well. So your offense is also, you're not going to be seeing that zone at all throughout the season for the most part. So your offense, you're not learning great spacing as well, even when you're in practices, because your your team is running a zone against your other team. So if you were if it was just man, I think overall the basketball would be better because they'd have to pick up the spacing better. Like we talked about. Um, with if like spacing, if you understand spacing at a young age, fifth, sixth, once you get to seventh grade and you see a zone, if you know spacing, that makes it way easier. Mm-hmm. You know how to ball fake one way or the other. And the concepts, how to play in between two defenders, how to try to do yeah. defenders, and where, where are there open spots to play. Yeah. Okay, last one, practices, and we talk about this at the very select, but um, I think it should all be revolved around skill and space. Um, until you start playing five on five, like five on five, you're gonna have to have some. Gonna, uh, when you get to five on five, you're playing full court. You're gonna have to have some press, press break stuff. You're gonna have some plays and out of bounds plays. But once you're fourth grade and below, and you're playing three on three, it should be all skill development and spacing. Skill development and spacing. No plays. Let them figure it out. Teach them how to play basketball. Then you start working up. You get to fifth and sixth grade. It's a couple plays. It's here and there. It's learning some things, and because you start developing the concepts of how to play, then you're running a set that's a dribble weave, right? And then all of a sudden they're gonna deny the dribble weave, you know exactly I gotta backdoor cut that. And it's it's building as the progression into it. And so I would say as far as the practice concepts, again, this would be a rule. Everyone would have to abide by it. Um, fourth grade and below when you're playing three on three, I mean it's half court. There's gonna be no out of bounds plays, just check it up at top. Um, it's gonna be no plays, it's figure out how to play. And, and and once you get to five on five, then you can start adding a little bit, which be skill and space. I 100% agree with that. And that's one of the hidden pros of playing three on three at early <clears throat> third and fourth grade years is that you're not spending your whole practice time learning a handful of sets because especially at that age, if you are going to run sets or if you're just putting in flex, it takes a while to pick that stuff up. Yeah. So you're spending a large chunk of your practice time working that, and then, oh, we play this team that runs this full-court press, so we got to work on our press break then. So that kind of opens up practice time to work on that skill stuff. And, I mean, as much as much we say, hey, practice is all about individual skills, you still have tournaments to get ready for. Get so it's hard not to spend and if you, time doing that And stuff. then the one extra layer, as you mentioned, and I like your idea of moving the zone back to seventh grade because that gives you two years of you don't have to spend time worrying about how to attack zone defenses and all that kind of stuff. It's literally just you're building from the three-on-three spacing and passing and cutting to now five-on-five spacing and passing and cutting and understanding that stuff. And, I mean, Omaha needs this rule more than anyone because I went to Omaha and I saw every single zone on the sign. I didn't see a single possession of man-to-man defense my first time out there. And so that's where I... You can spend all the time you want putting together two, three zone sets to get them out of their two, three as fast. You're never going to see a two, three. You're going to see one, two, two. You're going to see a three, two matchup. You're going to see a one, three, one half quarter. You're going to see a one, two, one, one, three quarter court. You're going to see all these different types of zones. So now my big thing was just like with my seventh grade team, my sixth grade team, they got to have a little bit more savvy when it comes to it. But seventh grade picked it up easy where you just identify their fronts and then just Odd front. We're gonna have even two one two even yeah. front. 
we're gonna go three two like yep. just how to line up against it yeah anything else to add to the constitution that's pretty good um <clears throat> parents can't be involved when they're in the stands should we, should we do it on? Do they have to watch games on closed circuit television? No, but just. You mean by involved? Yeah, just so I. One thing I hate is you know seeing at that level they miss a shot they look right at mom and dad, or they get think they get fouled they look right at mom and dad, or you have certain parents just yelling at their kids the entire time, mm-hmm. and it completely takes them away from the game. What we're trying the learning to do. process. Yes, because now they're just worried about it, impressing their mom or dad. Or and it shouldn't be about game. that, and it shouldn't be about winning. It should be about the development and the skill development and having fun and enjoying the game and learning. And I would say even in third, third, fourth grade, why even keep score? Yeah. I mean, mm. wait, are you going to remember all the wins you had in third grade, Sky? Uh-huh. You, fourth grade? You Maybe probably, not, probably but I'm just competitive. But, but And you, you got to be competitive. I get that. Maybe second. Get and that. that's the that. thing, too. Like, Cause you want to build competitiveness. I get that. But When I was a young buckaroo coming up, I was compared to a young LeBron James coming up to the Rapid City ranks. I heard that. NCAA. Remember that? You were on the cover of, uh, he was on the cover of ESPN as the chosen yeah. one. I think you were on the cover of Rapid City Journal. Sports as the, Illustrated for Kids. As the frozen one. Yeah. Faces in the crowd. <laughs> we didn't keep score, but best believe everyone on the bench knew the score of that game. Because right. <laughs> like, they just, all they care about is that. So whether or not like you are keeping score, the kids are going to be keeping score. So may as well put it on the scoreboard. They think that's cool. Like, Go ahead, go compete. But or have a different scoring system. Something else is going to Paint touches, paint touches. Get jump stop. Oh, Rebounds. Jump stop. Saying words on defense. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Something yeah. about me for real. Maybe a different scoring system. I'd like to see your scoring Ooh, system. We might have to come up We'd with a fun scoring that. system because yeah. buckets are going to be few and far between, I feel like. <laughs> Good. Um, okay. That was awesome stuff. Anything to add on that? Otherwise, let's jump into picks. Guy, you got something on your mind? Looks like you're. I'm thinking just about football picks here now. Okay. Transition. Well, let's, let's jump into it. Um, why don't you go and give us a record, starting with BG on the losing record, and then finishing with me with the dominating. All right. The updated records um, of our pick em. We have BG at 18, 21, and 1. Sheesh. Rough. Sky is at 20, 20, and 1. Ooh, 2020. <laughs> the year. This is your Perfect. year. Perfect. This is your year. Kyle is at 22, 19, and 1. Solid. And Baker is at 27. 15 and 1. He's a sharp over here. Brown's pretty good right there. <laughs> Sounds pretty good. So this week we have... Did you count my picks from... You didn't make picks. Yeah, I did. Okay, you're 22, 20, and 1 then. If we're going to give you those. You're giving me those. <laughs> I don't know how. Sky came in today and goes, well, if I had to pick, I would have picked LSU and Clemson. <laughs> <laughs> Which I would have. This is honest well, I was just playing the game. I mean, I had to pick Oklahoma to make a game back, whatever. You guys have it. Depre- I don't, football season's over. Don't talk to me. All right, so this week we have <laughs> five total picks we're going to make. Um, first one being Minnesota Vikings and the San Francisco Niners. Niners are favored by seven right now. That's a tough number right there. I got Niners by 100. Ooh. Well, the confidence. I'll take the seven. I'll just take the seven. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm going with the Niners as well. Um, I think it's going to be a great game. Vikings D-line has been playing really well. I think um, Bosa is going to give Kirk Cousins some issues. Um, Niners by at least seven. 
I'm kind of leaning the opposite way. I'm a known, a known Kirk Cousins supporter. I wouldn't say hater, but hater. Okay. Has, I mean, I'm about as big as Pizza Ranch supporter as you can have. That's my least favorite commercial in the history of time. The corn goes right here. Yeah, come on, Pizza Ranch. Do better. <laughs> but uh, despite that, I'm going to ride out with Pizza Ranch Pick of the Week. Oh, <laughs> free <That's ad>. sponsors <laughs> now? <laughs> and go with the Vikings and the points. I don't think they're going to win. I think they'll be able to keep it close. Just an ugly game like 2014, 17-13, something boring. I think the Niners will win. Um, I just, for whatever reason, think that seven's going to end up in a push or it's going to be 26-20 or something like that, and the Vikings end up covering. So I'll, I'll take Vikings to cover, but I think Niners win. That's going to be... So that means Vikings are for sure winning. Kirk Cousins threw out the, you like that, so whatever that means, we'll see if that carries any steam. He's got his swagger back, man. He won a big game. Sponsored by Pizza Ranch. What more could you ask for out of a quarterback? You got a free lunch there? What do you got? Pizza Ranch, man. <laughs> Throwing it out there. Offensive right, passing number I said two. Pizza Ranch one time. That's all I got. Pizza Ranch pass interference. Now. Play the game. Game number two. <laughs> the biggest upset of the early wild card weekend was Tennessee Titans beating the New England Patriots. Um, we have the Tennessee Titans at the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens are favored by nine and a half. Oof. Yeah. That is a bigger number than I thought it was going to be. Started at seven and a half. I. You got it. I would like to think that the Ravens will smack them. We'd like to think playoff games, like everyone's competitive and Tennessee's got, if they can run the ball like they did, they can control the clock. And nine and a half is a big number. So kind of my same concept here. I think Ravens win, but I'll take the points. I'll go ahead and take Titans to cover. As scared as I am of Derrick Henry just chewing up the entire clock, there's been too many close games. This is going to be a blowout. I got Ravens. Ravens. Uh, I'm going with Titans here. Um, I to think cover or to win? T- to cover. I think um, playoff Rabel, him as a coach, is a whole new element. I love that he used Belichick's tactics to get three minutes out of the clock by just penalties. And the fact that Belichick showed that in the regular season I thought was kind of interesting. Then for Abbott to be used against him, I thought that was just classic and Mm -hmm. awesome. Um, And, you know, I think Tannehill is going to have to do more than throw for 70 yards. But there's something – I think their defensive game plan is going to be very good. And I I don't know, I wouldn't be surprised for a letdown game with the Ravens here. Um, I still think they win, but I got Titans. A lot of points. Nine and a half. I think – I agree with everything you just said. I'll take Titans. Titans. Yeah, I got Titans. All right, next one here. Everyone. Houston I said we went against the Ravens, though. The Texans got beat by a million, so. Yeah. Houston Texans at the Kansas City Chiefs. Another big line here. KC, nine and a half. Good really? gracious. <laughs> They're making it tough. I feel more comfortable about that one than the other one. I got the Texans. Just because. Michael Jordan. Sean Watson. Exactly. I think that's a lot of points again. I'll take Texans. Will you? I mean, not to win, but you got to keep it close, right? Uh, Chiefs. Give me the blowout, man. Texans <laughs> Texans shouldn't even be. Buffalo's one of the best defenses. Texans found out a way to win. Like, they can kind of control Kansas City Bro, a little bit. Blindside block was the game. And Don't worry. Josh Allen 
did not help them out. That game was wild. Um, I'm going. <laughs> that game was wild. <laughs> did you pick BG? Yeah, I got Chiefs. He's trying to make up games. I'm going Chiefs. No, I think it's going to be going a Chiefs as well. Um, Texas should be. I think no one's talked about the Chiefs. I think they're the most dangerous team right now. Um, if you think of a year back, how much we were talking about them, it's very similar to how we're talking about Lamar because it was something we'd never seen before. And it was like, oh, gosh, it's the best quarterback in the world, best offense in the world. Like, holy cow. And then they got the playoffs, lost New England. Um, but I think no one's talking about them. I, I see Kansas City winning by, by 10. Sure. Next one, your last one for the NFL circuit. We have Seattle Seahawks at Lambeau and the Green Bay Packers. Packers are favored by four. I like that number. That's tough. I'll take Seattle. This game is going to be ugly. No, no. Packers. They went by a touchdown. Four. I have a mind flipped around. Packers. They have the Packers won a game by a touchdown in the last like ten weeks? No. No. I feel like every single one of their games has been like seventeen to thirteen. Mm-hmm. And Seahawks too. Seahawks have a bunch of close games too. That could be seventeen thirty, but it's seventeen ten. Game over. If it's twenty one sixteen, they don't cover. So I'm taking Packers. I think Seahawks are gonna win. I I love the Packers. I'm an honorary Packers fan now. The Bengals are just terrible. But they've looked terrible lately. They've looked like the Bengals lately. Rather the two seed, I, I suppose. Thirteen three. Looked exactly like the Bengals. I'm gonna take the best <laughs> player on the field. Um, that's Russell Wilson. Um, Whoa! Hundred <laughs> percent. Um, it's Marshawn Lynch. You, if you spy him, he's gonna throw it over the top. If you don't spy him, you try to blitz him. He's gonna find a way to get out of the pocket. I've never seen someone so shifty with the ball in their hands and this pocket presence. Every time he rolls out, he slides like he's in baseball. He slides into second. Lamar Jackson. And this guy's never watched John Elway play football. A little shiftier. Lamar Jackson breaking ankles in the pocket. Michael Vick wasn't very good <laughs> either. <it> <laughs> <laughs> on the field. No, but I'm all day Russell Wilson. He'll have the ball with his, in his hands. Packers will be up probably five. He'll have to drive down the field. Game-winning touchdown. No, they'll get it to the one. So they'll be down three. They'll be down down three and a half. So field goal doesn't win it, but they're still going to (laughs) cover. They're down three and a half. 21 to 17 and a half. I think it's going to be an ugly game. I think the Packers are going to win, but barely. So I'm going to take the Seahawks. Seahawks. See you, Scott. I'll take a win. All right. And the last one, national championship Monday night, college football. LSU Tigers first, the Clemson Tigers. Well, Tigers are going to win. Tigers are going to win. I'll keep it simple. LSU has been the best team all year long. I've said that. BG sat across from me and sat next to me and goes, no, Ohio State's the best team. Ohio State's not in it, What's the spread again? Six. Doesn't matter. LSU's been the best team all year long. It hasn't been close, in my opinion. I'll let all you guys get your little LSU picks up. You should be rooting for LSU. They have your future quarterback coming to your town. Love him. I'm taking LSU. They win it. Get a jersey. Favorite player. Cover. Great. All that stuff. I mean, it's just, they got to do it. I agree. No matter what the spread is, I was taking LSU. 100%. <laughs> yep. Could have been They're going to smack the team that beat Ohio State. Correct. Just so you know, BG. Correct. Just so you know. <laughs> LSU by 100. <laughs> <laughs> 
You can go ahead and put that. I'm sick of this. As much as I like the LSU Tigers, um, I think Clemson covers the six. I was on Clemson big time against Ohio State. I, like I said, they have players that have been in the national championship the last three years. They have leadership in this position. Um, I think defensively what Clemson did in that second half against Ohio State, because Ohio State was by far the better team on the field. What was that again? By they were better the than team. Clemson, but they lost. Yes, they weird. lost. That's so weird. But, but still, they were the team that team. wins every game all year long. So Very suspect officiating, but go on. Um, but no, I think they're going to eventually – Clemson's going to have something. Their defense has been really good all year, very underrated. The way they can rush the passer and to base anything off the LSU-Oklahoma game would be not very smart. Georgia's Oklahoma defense wasn't is. good. Alabama's defense wasn't good. Auburn's defense wasn't good. Ohio you're right. State. Yeah, you're right. Clemson's defense is way better than all of them. And LSU only put up 50 on everyone. Um Everyone thinks LSU is the greatest team ever because they beat the fakest playoff team in the history of college football playoffs, excluding Michigan State the one year that they made it in. We won't get into how they made it in over the best Ohio State team to ever be assembled, but that's neither here nor there. I will get off my soapbox. Clemson, most overrated team in the history of football. Get out of here, LSU, by 100. Joe Burrow to the Bengals, Super Bowl 2 3 Let's go! Let's go! The old main switch. I like it. Gosh, I hate Clemson. After what Dabo, cheater. Until he came back, too. Still mad about Clemson. I hate Clemson, man. Trevor Lawrence, overrated. Don't want you anymore. We got Joey Burrow. Don't need you. Only Love that. That was that, the uh, best switcheroo I've ever felt. Game is being played. Um... At, at the same stadium, so it's a home home game for LSU. It's, so it's going to be absolutely rocking. It's over, Coach O. How are you? Yeah. Welcome to Death Valley, where dreams come to die. Go Tigers! Go Tigers! <laughs> now that Davos trying to say that too, yes, my least favorite person on earth. Go Tigers! Uh, there's a few the worst, but <laughs> not that bad. That's a little hyperbolic. Art Bryles. That's how I feel. <laughs> Urban Meyer. Hey, we won't. All right, build that man's statue. I'll go 5-0. and oh. Let's get jump into the best thing that we saw. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> I'll go. It was the best thing that I heard, not saw. But you mentioned it earlier, Kyle. From a coach, I loved the wherewithal and the ability to learn and uh, take from other people, that's what coaching is, right? You take things and you tweak it your own way or you use it against people. Um, I'm driving back from Sioux City, so the best thing I heard, I was listening to the radio, and these announcers are, Mike Tirico is going, Bill Belichick's fuming! Because Tennessee Titans took, what, three straight penalties to waste two and a half minutes off the game, and then they punted and landed at the one with the all-pro punter, and shout out punters. That's the best thing I heard, slash saw. Awesome. Awesome coaching tactics. I have two things. We won't get into the worst things I saw over the last couple of weeks. I've made it pretty clear. Um, the best thing I saw was Jenna Jacobson's game winner against Aberdeen Ron Colley. No offense to Aberdeen Ron Colley listeners, but. Great execution. Speaking of stealing things as a coach. <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, I've watched that play like 100 times. That was unreal. And uh, shout out to Haley Timmer for being a team player. She 
executed that play very well, faking that it was going to come to her, and yeah. just stud. But, I mean, a smart person as Candlin is. He's a genius. Knew that Jacobsons do not miss clutch shots, so just give it to your Jacobson, let her ball out. And down two, we'll take three. Please and thank you. <laughs> Hold that. Win. Get back to Rapid City with another W. Um, second best thing I saw... Manchester City beating Manchester United. It's always great to go into Old Trafford and get a big 3-1 victory in the first leg of the on Carabao the Cup semi-finals with a top-class team on the pitch. Top-class. <laughs> <laughs> Gavin De Bruyne. De Bruyne. <laughs> Best thing I saw, um, Engineer Classic in Brooking, South Dakota. Oh. The Dells Pub first Dells St. Mary's matchup. Um, Connor Libis dropped 28 in the first half. On one was definitely um, obviously leading his team. Um, They held him to seven in the second half. He ended with 35. St. Mary's was up until the last four minutes of the fourth quarter, and Pub went on a little run. Um, St. Mary's had a chance to tie it at the end. Um, But just great crowd, great atmosphere. Fun for all those kids, too. Yeah. Living in the same community and this big, hyped-up game. And if it would have been – would have been unfortunate if it would have been lopsided one way or the other. But to have it be such a tight game, that's awesome. Yeah, but hopefully that's something that, you know, we continue to build on and hopefully next year do the same thing. Yeah. It's just good for the community after 30 years of not playing each other for kind of politics reasons and they didn't get along. And Mm -hmm. just, uh, you know – they see each other in the streets every single day. They all yep. play baseball together. Yep. They, they're friends through and through. But then, you know, they put on their jerseys. They got to compete. And, uh, and it's fun to see them compete at a high-level close. Yep. Yep. Would love That's to see fun. that in Rapid City, but... Oh. <laughs> Scary. <laughs> <laughs> um, best thing I saw, my two teams went undefeated this weekend. Two championships. Uh, got some big wins, sixth graders and eighth graders. So I was just really proud of them, how they played, and two championships undefeated. Last thing I forgot. Honestly, the best thing I saw, Mason's first Christmas. Yes. Oh. Give Mason update, quick. It's awesome. Got four teeth that pop through now. Two top, two bottom. Big for him. He's got the Michael Strahan going up top right now. Yes. But um, he slept. He slept from like eight to five last night. So we actually got good sleep. But no, he's the best. So first Christmas was fun. He took some good pictures and it was fun. Good stuff. Awesome. Hashtag love. Hashtag dad. <laughs> oh yeah. Dad stuff. Total dad moves. <laughs> All right, we appreciate you. Share this. Subscribe, rate, review, as we always say. Um, but uh, if you have anything, feedback, you want to hear some stuff, you got an idea for a guest uh, as we roll into this, we, we want to hear that from you guys. So we appreciate you. And uh, anything you need as far as work, workouts, basketball skill development, we are here for you guys. We out. Love you guys. Deuces.